On this episode of AV Week, we talk about college level training for AV professionals, how to manage your remote workers, and what it's like to be an integrator in the age of COVID-19. All this and more on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 453, Empathy and Inclusion. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS audio, video, and control ecosystem. And by FSR. Hey, everybody, and welcome to AV Week your source for news and information in the AV industry. I'm your host today, George Tucker. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe in place where you need to. Uh, today's show, we're gonna have a number of topics and to help carry me through this are some great guests. Uh, first off, we have Corey Schaefer. She's Director of Alliances at QSC. Good to see you. Good to see you, George. Glad, good to see you hosting. Thank you, thank you, I've missed it. Uh, also joining us is Brian I'm sorry, Chris Benche. I said that right? Yes. Benche, close close okay, Benche. I'm terrible with names. We'll keep it. Uh, he is general manager at Herman Integrating Services. Good to have you on. Great to be here. Great to be here. Thank you. All right. And also, a much easier name for me, Justin Dawson. He is the host of the podcast, All Things Techie. Great to meet Hi. you, sir. Hi, good to meet you, George. And uh, well done on, on coming, becoming a presenter and doing this uh, while Tim is off. And I say gallivanting, probably. <laughs> uh, no, he's involved in business meetings, but okay. uh, that's, what we, that's what we rely on him for. All right, guys. Well, it's been a very interesting time, as I'm sure we've oft repeated on many podcasts and articles about these strange times. Uh, but some of this is doing some good for us. There is an article from our friends at AV Network. It is competing integrators work together to teach future pro AVs or AV pros. Uh, this is a story, of course, uh, about Jeremy, Jeremy Caldera and Chris Cusick, uh, both teaching at Columbia, uh, I believe I said in Chicago or somewhere. I didn't, I'm not quite sure about that, apologies. But they are two integrators from competing companies that grew up next to each other, teaching the next generation of AV pros. So, Corey, I'm going to start with you. We've had some of these discussions before about, well, the gray bearding of the AV industry and how we have a need for a real structured education system to bring people into audiovisual integration and its associated uh, um, uh, variations, right? So I came from recording, and I know that when they talk about it in here that a lot of these kids go into it thinking they're gonna be the next recording superstar and they're gonna be this guy who works with all the bands. And when you walk in and tell them, hey, there's this world of integration, and you get to get your hands on the gear every day, maybe sometimes too much, they, they really do have a change of heart. Like, wow, I'm not going to be making people coffee unless I'm going to have it too. And I get to actually do a day's work. So first of all, I'm going to ask you, do you think that there's really a need for this kind of college level uh, training when we have a VIXA and CEDIA? Or what, is, what are those other institutions missing that this is going to give us uh, a benefit of? 
so 100% there's the need for it. You know, one of the things that our industry has been talking about for as long as I can remember is how do we get younger people into the industry? We have to start younger and younger. You can't wait for a VIXA or one of our trade publications because that's when you're aware of the industry. I mean, I'm sure, Justin, Chris, you can speak to this too, that, um, you know, when I tell people like my neighbors what I do for a living, they always think, you know, residential immediately. They're not even aware that there's even this vertical. And so being, you know, having this taught and taught earlier is just so critical for us to change the demographics of the industry. And um, on that story, I looked and there were actually a couple of women in that photo as well, which was nice to see. And there just are not, not enough universities and there are not enough classes being taught at the high school level either about the audiovisual industry, but it needs to be. I know like um, in um, at UNLV, they teach a course, Full Cell um, University in Florida, they teach, you know, but um, I mean, just so many people are not aware. And, you know, a lot of people, George, you know, want to be the quote rock star or tour on band or whatever. And those are fine jobs and definitely needed. But when you are a person that wants to actually have your evenings free, be home with your family, you know, in the evening and actually have a day job, the AV industry is perfect. And for these two guys who are competitors to actually do this um, and to, to teach is kind of brilliant on their part as well because they're able to actually kind of teach and learn potentially their new workforce, right? Because I know when I read the article, Jeremy commented about a couple of people he's hired from courses that he's taught. So pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. And, and well, I mean, you say the normal working hours, obviously high-end luxury sometimes, you're there way too late, sniffing yeah. somebody else's dinner and wishing you were at your own plate. Yeah, uh, but you know, when you're loading in a band and loading out or doing sound or whatever, I mean, those uh, are, you know, those are long hours. Yeah, that is the world of uh, I'll sleep when I die. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you're an integrator. Uh, one, I'm going to ask you, do you see value in someone having, say, a college degree or at least certification in this? And do you think that there's a chance that the classes that Jeremy and Chris are teaching will be more relevant to cutting edge technology or less say than uh, the uh, Avixas and CDs of the world? Well, you know, I, I definitely agree that having some sort of certifications, whether or not it's an actual college degree or not, um, is necessary. You know, my, my big challenge, and you know, we have over 120 technicians that work in our company and I most don't have college degrees, but they have all worked in, in the industry. And, and it's always fun to hear their stories because they all have kind of fallen into the industry. Nobody really set out as a, hey, I'm going to leave high school and I'm going to go get into the AV industry. Uh, I, I know I didn't. Um, <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, you know, one of the challenges, I've got three sons who are all grad, you know, who've all graduated high school. And I've always joked with them. I'm like, did anybody ever ask you or mention that there's an industry of AV out there that you as a high school student could go and, you know, seek a future in? And, uh, you know, obviously it's not on the list of like future jobs um, that most high schoolers leave with. Uh, and then there's really no path to go there. Um, a number of years ago, I met with a local community college here, uh, and I was talking to one of the uh, folks who's a director of programs for the uh, for the uh, this uh, community college. And I said, you know, have you guys ever considered? I mean, there's this whole world of AV. We're always looking for technicians. Have you ever thought about, you know, teaming up with Avixa at the time they were Infocom um, to create courses? And and his point was is that they just don't feel. They're like, yeah, we've been approached, but we just don't feel there'll be enough people that would sign up for these classes. And then, you know, one of the things that these, you know, community universities are trying to, or, or, you know, trying to do is, you know, 
place these guys into into the real world afterwards? And how many opportunities are there? I mean, I'm here in Tampa, Florida. There's a handful of integrators, but you know, if tomorrow 20 guys graduated from a local community college and we said, "Hey, great, you know, there's there's not 20 open jobs right now in the Tampa market. Maybe there is. I don't. I can't say." But that's one semester. I don't know that the next semester there'll be another 20 and the next semester will be another 20. So it is kind of interesting. Um, you'd mentioned uh, a few like Full Sail and there's a bunch of other uh, organizations out there that do recording and stuff. I'm, I'm actually um, on an advisory board for one of those companies and uh, or one of those schools. And I find it interesting because they have one class on AV integration. You know, everything else is like you said, that you know, uh, all around recording and production and all that stuff. And that is the sexier part of our AV industry. There's no question. I, I graduated with an audio engineering degree and I love doing live sound. That was was awesome. Uh, but I also, as you mentioned, uh, grew tired of being up all night and loading out and loading in and doing all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is uh, it, it's a great alternative. But you find out about it too late. You know, you're already now, you know. <laughs> past 30 on your way, you know, I need a career. And, um, you know, it, you know, a lot of people aren't going back to school for it. We spend a lot of time, a lot of money on educating our guys. We, we utilize all the manufacturers for training and things of that nature. So people have certifications. So yeah, I wholeheartedly believe there's definitely a need. Um, and would love to see some movement to get, like you said, the younger generation moving in that direction. Well, Justin, to that point, uh, to Chris's point, and to Corey's actually earlier, uh, your podcast deals with, I, I would say, a lot of commercial tech as well as you know the the the, the off the shelf stuff, right? The high end stuff, right? So that audience, do they see value in this sort of custom integrated high end audio? I mean, the stereo files of of your aren't really there. So how do we get that crowd to understand and come over to this side? I think. George, I agree with everything Corey and Chris have said. In the Irish perspective, there isn't colleges that are teaching audiovisual. Now, you might I studied, for example, broadcasting, and I came out and did a media production degree, ended up working with a top four financial firm, global financial firm, and eventually got into audiovisual. But people will actually say, um, what's your IT qualification that's, uh, that you have? And this is the problem. Everyone sees AV as IT, and there's not enough selling point. And I think what Infocom did in the past two years, or maybe it's three years now, and became a big set, it's selling this method of talking to the younger people and getting them involved with audiovisual. I think what these two guys have done and doing in uh, Columbia, it's so essential. If the, I've, I've had this conversation, and I've nearly had this conversation for half a day with Chuck Espinoza uh, from Evitza, saying there has to be more selling points and more colleges getting involved, and even Evitza approaching universities and getting these programs on, on the ground. And you, Chris, you talked about like the youth of teenagers and work experience. You know, like. The one per I know one person over in America in California that is doing a lot of this and pushing it hard because he's in charge, and that is Joe Way. He will get young people into a higher ed environment. Yeah. And go, here you go, pull cable. You know, now, like, literally, I wouldn't have pulled cable. I wouldn't be an installer. But, like, if you can get people in young, even doing live bands and live gigs, you know, be a roadie for a while to, to get... Yeah to get the experience you know and just I, I, it's about building awareness right so it's it's when people are aware because not everybody's going to be 
you know, recording engineer, or not everybody's going to be a broadcaster. And so what are these other roles? And so that's the best thing these guys are doing at Columbia is building awareness about the real world and all of the opportunities. And we just need so much more than that. That's a great point, Corey, because one of the things that we find, especially when somebody applies for a job with us and we see they have full sale in their background, we know they spent a lot of time, a lot of time behind a mixing board, but not a lot of time with their head in the ceiling, you know, getting yep. uh, insulation in their hair and pulling cables and, you know, uh, having to carry on a tool belt. And, and that a lot of times they're not very successful in it because it is, it's a, it's a lot harder job. You know, you have to, we're mixing technology and construction and, 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 you know, working, you know, in, in, you know, buildings that sometimes don't have air conditioning far cry from working in a nice plush studio. So. Right. And as an integrator, when you're looking to hire, it's, you know, you really need the help right away, but many times it's on the job learning, right? So if you can hire somebody with some knowledge and go ahead and put them on a job site from day one or day two, that would be huge because, you know, until COVID hit, I think our industry is really struggling to get talent. I mean, there are a lot of positions open. Yeah, we um, actually, we put a, a program together last year and we wanted to do it this year, but now with the COVID situation, we'll have to wait to 2021, but we did what we call the homegrown program where, you know, we, we go out and we use a lot of um, independent contractors sometimes to help along in our jobs. And every now and then we find a really good person who wants to learn the AV industry. Maybe they came from structure cabling or they came from some other construction trade. Uh, so we made all of our regional guys uh, find and identify one of these individuals. Uh, and then we hired them. And then we made that region basically raise that technician. So if there was 10 techs Brilliant. in the Dallas market, they had to do that. So what we did is we said, you know, we put all these metrics around it and we said, you know, after six months, whichever one of these techs became, uh, achieved the most in far as training and doing all the right things, we would, me and the rest of the management team would fly to that city and throw a nice party at a very expensive restaurant. Uh, I can tell you that dinner was the best $5,000 I ever spent because we ended up with nine really great technicians who were wow. with us for a full year. But we took the onus of the training away from us as a corp from a corporate level and put it back into the field. You know, yeah. and we had a little fun around it and it really worked out quite well. Um, so, the, you know, there, there's things I think that organizations have to do also. But I, I will tell you, none of these guys that we hired were, you know, um, they, they weren't kids out of school. You know, they were all individuals looking for careers. So it's, um, yeah. you know. I think, go ahead, Justin. I'm positive. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'll just throw in that I think both Abixa, Cedia, hopefully Columbus will go a little younger. They're missing their boat here, guys. We need to go to really, when I say young, teenagers that are doing work experience, coming out, coming out and going, what do I want to do in university? What do I want to do in college? You know, yeah. um, because here in Ireland, we have, a, a, when uh, teenagers are 16 years of age, we have a transition year period before, between our younger state exams, our junior cert, and our senior state exams, which be known as our leaving cert. And through that year, it's trying to find out and discover yourself of what you want to do in a workplace. I think a lot more AV companies should be taking on these people, letting them experience. Like I can say, I didn't want to sit in a classroom all day long and learn maths and history and geography. I wasn't that type of kid. I wanted to play with tech. Now, when I came out of my leaving cert, I thought, oh, right, I want to be the next radio presenter. Okay, I'm doing podcasting now. But then it took me years to realize, hold on a minute. No, I like tech. I like dealing with tech. And to your point, we all learn differently. You didn't want to sit in a classroom and learn. You want to actually learn by doing, right? So we all learn differently. Exactly. And I think that's where 
there's so much more room to get AB uh, companies involved with high schools saying, hold on a minute, we can show you this. If, if they even just did a class during these transition year um, subjects and then just get it, get it rolling on, hopefully. Yeah, you know, that's, brilliant. That's where I think there's room and hopefully, you know, with everything changing with COVID-19, I think there's room to start some of these online courses for youth and see what they're interested in. And, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. If, if you see a lot of people coming on to online webinars who are young, they're going to have an interest in it. Well, it's funny because you actually, when, when we, we, we clashed there in the speech, that's the question I was going to ask. Should we be looking at before high, uh, college, high school? And should it be like a shop class? You know, I mean, I don't do much woodworking, but I enjoy the heck out of doing that. And when I was of age in high school, we had a car shop, you know, where you could do mechanics. Yeah. I still know how to fix parts of my car, which is quite enjoyable. So that part of it might be sort of a gateway to showing them that there's an alternative career. It's great. Uh, all right. So let's move on, though. We have a couple more topics to carry today. Uh, from our friends at Commercial Integrator, four tips for managing remote workers. Okay. We're all sort of working remote these days. If we're working at all or if we're doing podcasts, we're working remotely. Uh, this article goes on to talk about uh, ways to make those remote meetings work. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Chris. Uh, do you you have a obviously have a staff? Are they working currently? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and and you know we've been accustomed to remote management because our technicians are spread out over about 25 different markets around the U.S. So you know we've had to manage uh, all of our regional guys you know who are out doing the install work. The difference for us now is the office staff, which is about 30, mm. uh, are all now working from home. Um, you know, we've been having obviously a lot more online meetings. Uh, it's amazing um, how many uh, meetings you can cram into a day on Zoom uh, when uh, I miss traveling. That's all I can say. <laughs> and I miss people. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing with my management team, you know, one of the things we took because we knew that there was going to be a slowdown. Um, we actually identified a number of projects uh, that we've always said, wouldn't it be great if we had a few months to like actually do this or do that? Um, and we're going to be going through later this year an ERP uh, change for our company. So uh, we put together a task force to pretty much outline our processes from, you know, A to Z, so that when we're going to go and implement into a new ERP system, we've already got it documented out. Um, so we're trying to make the best of the time. But what for me, as far as managing the staff, you know, like I said, it's a lot more meetings. We set a lot of goals, timelines. And, you know, we have regular check-in points every week with different groups to say, you know, where are we with this? Where are we with that? Um, we also assigned a lot of training. Um, you know, uh, my project management team, uh, they're a good team, but, you know, let's face it, everybody can always learn more. Vixa offered up free training from project management, so we've got everybody going through all the courses that are associated with that uh, in, their, in their free time. And, you know, we, we put deadlines to get these things done. So it, it, it's a different way of managing. Um, you know, we're having uh, every, every so often uh, some happy hours online, which is just weird because now it's just drinking at home with people on your screen watching you as opposed to just your cats watching you. So it's just a different world now. Um, I'll be glad when that's done too, because uh, it's much more fun doing that at a bar. But um, yeah. I have the opinion that um, this is going to be the new normal, meaning a lot of companies are understanding that um, their employees can still be productive by working at home. Not everybody has to come through an office. So I think, you know, any, anywhere we can gain tips on how to manage people remotely is going to be very important and will serve us well moving forward because, yes, we will come back to an office for sure, but I think um, not everybody will or it's going to be a bit of a hybrid. And so 
Um, you know, a couple things on there that I totally agree with with remote working was the, the advice to turn on video because so many people don't want to do that and they're all concerned. And, you know, I mean, come on. It's just, you know, it's our one way to try to add a little bit more to our human connection because like you, Chris, I never thought I would miss business travel, but I do. I, <laughs> I miss the human, the human connection. So I think these tips are, are great for the time of COVID, but they're going to serve us well in the, into the future as well. Well, Court, to that end, uh, within your structure, I mean, are you finding daily meetings or weekly meetings? What's working best for you guys? Do you touch base every day with staff? How does that process for you? So within my immediate team, we, we touch base twice a week mm -hmm. and uh, always with video on. And we've always had that formal meeting scheduled on Monday anyway to kind of set the tone for the week. But now we're finding, now that we're all remote, that we're um, touching base uh, officially twice a week. And then we have a lot of adjunct meetings as well. And um, I kind of tell you, for QSC, we've kind of been hybrid because we have had a lot of remote workers. Actually, I was one of them. And I felt like as a company, we're learning a newfound empathy for our remote workers because we have so many people coming into the office. And honestly, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. I, you know, it was that way. And I think this is going to really change the whole company's perspective about uh, up in communication because you have to just up communication for sure because you think that somebody knows something or they were invited to a meeting they weren't you know and again it's not intentional it's just that oh I didn't see you in the hallway so I forgot you even worked here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's sort of akin to the email where you have to over explain so no one reads it in the terse sort of way that you we all read emails like that was very right. terse no it right. wasn't it was just it's written word uh Justin we have to learn how to use, now this is out of the scope of the article, but we have the, we've had a lot of people who had to learn how to be on camera, as Corey said, because, know. you know, not just the foibles of I'm not dressed or somebody in the background or the, the spouse who didn't realize your office door was open and was doing something, akin to the, what is it, the financial guy who had his kid crawling in there with the, <laughs> with the yeah. nanny that day, right? So, yeah, do you think that learning curve is going to be there? Do you think that people will get accustomed to that? Or do we think that they're just going to go back to, you know, who cares? I think the key word that people have to learn, both public sector, private sector, they have to learn compassion. This is a global crisis. People are dying. Who cares what I look like when I turn on my camera? Who cares if I'm wearing a hoodie right now instead of a shirt? People are all in lockdown, guys. People are dying. Yeah, number one, yes, if we are doing a video call, I want to see the other person on the other side, right? And, you know, every laptop now comes, everyone has the ability to have a video call, whether it be on your mobile phone or whether it be on your tablet or whether we're using a PC or laptop, we have the ability for both camera and it might be a crappy audio on your laptop, but you still can do it. Um, so this is the new norm. I agree with Corey that- I think it changes business a bit to, you started out with empathy, Justin, and you're dead on, but also who cares if you see the spouse in the background or the cat or the kid, right? It, it gives us this new, like, hey, they're a real person. You know, who changes your business relationship to the positive, frankly. Corey, I've been supporting calls in the past week uh, for my university, and I've had my four-month-old baby on my lap. I might have my microphone muted, but they're seeing my four-month-old baby and me holding a bottle in her mouth because this is normal. You know, 
we we haven't got childcare because we can't have childcare. The creches are closed. The schools are closed. I I've done a couple of podcasts in the past uh, week or two, and I've told the guys if you have kids running in, I want that type of environment. I want that bit of fun. Right. You know, let's have a bit of fun while doing the podcast. You you mentioned that it's going to be a hybrid uh, approach when this all ends. I think that's the key thing. It has to be a hybrid. Usually I travel an hour's commute into the university each way, and that's on public transport. I'm up at seven o'clock in the morning, at least with two to- a toddler and a four-month-old baby. I'm more productive at home, you know? So this, this approach that you have to travel in to university and sit in, in my own ho- office on campus versus I can do 95% of the work at home. Yes, okay, right. When we go back to the university, there's going to be students there. There's going to be faculty there that's going to need my support. Fine. But there, there has to be a level playing field. It's- right, because the amount of time we're in transit to and from, you know, just makes for a longer day. I'm in Southern California and, you know, the traffic is horrific, you know. So we have many employees at QSC that spend more than two hours commuting one way. Hmm. That's four hours out of their day. Yeah, and, and, and I, I can relate. Like, there's sometimes that if I hit the rush hour traffic, I would be in the similar situation. And yeah. because I'm going into Dublin city centre and through Dublin city centre, I could travel the other direction and I'd be on the other on, on the west coast of Ireland in the same amount of time. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that the idea of the uh, the empathy and understanding where we're coming from, and I wonder if that's going to be a change in the business dynamic generally, not just the audiovisual world, but because uh, we're used to seeing each other, you know, in rough and ready because of what we're doing and where we are certain times and how long we've worked and how many days we've been without sleep. Uh, but uh, do you overall, uh, Corey, do you think that this will be a change? Like, will remote work become more common? Are we at a stage where bosses who are stalwart against remote working saying that job possibly can't be done remotely now? Go, well, yeah, I can. I 100% believe this will be the new norm. I mean, of course, I think because we're all craving human interaction, we also know that this is not a replacement for real human interaction either. And there will be certain situations where it's important for us all to connect. But I think now uh, everyone can see how how productive people are working from home, of course, depending on the job, right? So, I mean, we have roles, you know, manufacturing within QSE. You can't do that at home, right? So there still are those certain roles that make no sense to be remote, but I, but there certainly are a lot of roles and kind of by just diving in and doing it causes those people to go, okay, I get it now, right? So sometimes we just have to learn our way through things. And I think our industry is doing that. Cool. And Chris, you, you mentioned that you had a bunch of people working remotely from the administration side. Do you foresee having some of them spend 80% of their time working remotely, or will you be really eager to have them in the office again? Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm old school. I do like being in the office. I like seeing my folks. I like, you know, every morning I make my rounds around the office, just checking in with people, see how they're doing. Um, you know, I, 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 I've always been that kind of leader. So I, I enjoy that side of it. It would be very challenging to try to call everybody on teams all day long and being like, Hey, how are you doing? What are things going on? And things of that nature. But, um, you know, we, we actually started about two years ago because at the speed we were growing, um, we actually ran out of space in our, in our headquarters. So we started moving certain positions to work from home. 
uh, like inside sales and some other groups like that. And, um, you know, I can see down the road that, you know, there will be people that could spend more of their time, you know, working remotely and, and, and just having certain people that are, you know, part of the office. Um, you know, like, I think as, as, a, as a society, we've been moving that way because a lot more people were doing, you know, telework and we know that there's companies that were specializing that this, I think is just going to accelerate that. And, and, and as Corey said, like the new norm, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's been interesting where, where the AV industry and like so few people were using video and, and it like blows my mind. I'm like, folks, I mean, I've been using video since, you know, Skype first came out. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever because I hate, I hate talking on the phone. You know, since I was a little kid, my, you know, I was like, hey, my mom be like, go talk to your grandmother. I'm like, I hate talking on the phone. You know, here I am 50 years old and I'm still like, I hate talking on the phone. But video, I love it. You know, you can see people, you can interact, but I don't want it to be the only way I communicate. Mm. Chris, do you think on integration, we're going to see more end users spend time on those all hand spaces and divisible rooms and training rooms and less huddle and yep. small rooms? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I've actually had uh, over the last two weeks a lot of great conversations uh, with some consultants, with some integrators, um, you know, talking about what is what is the new AV world going to look like? Because there is going to be a, a bit of a change. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, Zoom went from having, you know, what was it, you know, <laughs> 50,000 calls to 50 million calls a day. You know, I mean, it's amazing how quickly this technology just exploded. Uh, you know, I see schools really investing more in the, the uh, distance learning area now that this has occurred. I mean, yeah, you know what? Actually, you could do it more that way. Uh, the hotel world may get more involved with doing that type of stuff. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to see changing in the rental and staging markets and, and you know, and, and even organizations. Maybe getting away from huddle rooms and having smaller meeting rooms, but still being able to bring in people and creating more of an environment where you can get everybody tied together. So it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, there's no there's no question. All right, guys. Well, we've hit the maximum time for this episode of AV Week. I want to thank everyone for joining us today, especially Corey Schaefer, Director of Alliances at QSC. Thanks so much. Where can people find out about more about you and QSC? Well, thanks for having me. And you can find us at qsc.com, Corey.Schaefer at qsc.com. You can find me on the Twitters and you can find me on LinkedIn under Corey Schaefer. Cool. Uh, and also, of course, Chris Bianche. General Manager Herman, I got one right and I couldn't get the other one right. Herman Integration Services. Uh, marbles in my mouth. Sir, thank you so much for joining us and some great insight. Yes, no, thank you. find out more. Yeah, so it was a pleasure being on today and uh, I'm going to have to figure out a easier name for the company and easier name for myself. It's probably <laughs> a challenge. Um, but yeah, you can find uh, us at uh, uh, www.herman-is.com. That'll take you to our webpage. Uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to find Chris Bianchi. I'm there. Okay, thank you again, sir. And of course, last but not least, Justin Dawson. He is the host of the All Things Techie podcast. Great to meet you, sir. Where can I find out more about all that? I am, I'm on Twitter at Justin or Dawson. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find out about the podcast at www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. <laughs> Thanks a million. Cool. Thank you so much, guys. Well, for all the production staff and the folks here at AV Nation, I want to thank you for watching with us. Uh, please do, do check out our uh, sponsors. They do a lot of effort to keep the lights on here, and I'm sure they would appreciate hearing from all of you, our underwriters and sponsors. Uh, that's avnation.tv, avnation.tv for this show and a host of others on the verticals in the AV market. Again, thanks for watching, and we'll speak to you all very soon. Oh, my God.